0: Okay, so this is part two of hearing from God and uh, Ian did a brilliant job last week and uh, remember he spoke about us being a bit like a radio receiver and he asked us the question, are we turned on? Are we tuned in? Yeah, even as, are we singing along? And he based it all on John 10:27, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And he spoke about relationship involving two-way communication, about how hearing from God starts by our learning to listen, and that through listening, we learn our identity as sons and daughters of God, and that leads us to a place where we're able to be a blessing to others. What I want to do this morning is to take it a stage further, and I suppose if there's a title for this, it's Overcoming Hindrances to Hearing God overcoming hindrances to hearing God. He has overcome. He's more than enough. Let's just pray. Father, we just thank you that you're more than enough. Father, I thank you that you're well able just to bring us into a place of just closer and deeper intimacy with you. Thank you that on your heart, you've got things that you want to speak to us and share with us. Thank you that they're words of encouragement, just like the one you shared with me this morning, even as I was getting ready to get up here. Thank you you want to bring us into a place of enjoying your grace, knowing your love, and finding the great freedom and the great joy of being your sons and daughters. So just help me just to share what I've got this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm rather prone to getting blocked ears, some of you are aware of that because you have prayed for me, it tends to be the result of sinus headaches, of being tired, stressed, and it results in me becoming deaf. Um, now, this isn't necessarily what I'm about to say now, isn't necessarily what happens to deaf people. But for me, temporarily being unable to hear tends to make me become self-absorbed, isolated, and ineffective. And uh, Hazel, what's more, you can talk to her about it, she, gets, she finds it extremely frustrating. <laughs> you know... Um, David, have you taken your oil drops and things like this? And she has to, when she's talking to me, she has to repeat herself several times, louder and louder each time, because I haven't heard or even recognised that she's been speaking to me. And it can get rather difficult for her. Now, the same is true for us if we live our lives without really being able to hear the voice of God. We lose our sense of connection with him, uh, we also become disconnected from others and ineffective when it comes to seeking to be a blessing to them. Now, God's desire is to communicate with us out of a relationship so that out of our connection with Him, our relationships with others can be enrich- enriching both for us and for them. And uh, right the way through from the very beginning of the Bible, we see this dynamic of, of God's desire for fellowship with his creatures, with his children whom he has made. Right in the very early chapters in Genesis 3 verse 8, we read of the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. God seeking to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. Now by this time, already they've disobeyed and they've come into a place where there's a separation which prevents them from having that intimate closeness with God. It's lost as a result of the fall. But we're brought back into that relationship with him, that closeness of hearing his voice as we walk with him through faith in the work of the cross of Jesus and through putting our trust completely in him. Right through the Old Testament, in spite of the fall, God's purpose to do that was made absolutely clear. We see time and time again in the Old Testament the way that God speaks to the leaders of the people as he prepares the way for the coming of Jesus. Abraham hears the promise of God's blessing, and, uh, and this is a paraphrase, But he hears God say to him, I want to bless you. I'm going to make you a blessing. And so that all the world may be blessed through you. And in a later generation, Moses, do you remember, who had that onerous responsibility of leading the people of God, it says of him that he used to meet with God in a special tent of meeting that was set up. And that God spoke to him face to face as a man speaks with his friend. That's lovely, isn't it? And that's how God wants to speak with us, face to face, as a man speaks with his friend. It's out of that relationship with God that Moses is enabled to lead the people into the promised land, the land of blessing. Today, I want to base what I say on a passage from Genesis, Genesis 26. And uh, this is um, a story about a time of famine. And Isaac comes to Gerar in the land of the Philistines and is told by God to remain there. For God intends to bless him there so that he even becomes a blessing to others in fulfilment of his promise to Abraham. Abimelech, the local king, allows him to settle there and God blesses him there and his flocks and herds multiply greatly so that the Philistines become jealous of him. And then this is what we read of that story. Now there was a famine in the land, besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar, to Abimelech, the king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt, stay in the land of which I shall tell you, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. For to you and to your descendants I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and will give your descendants all these lands and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes and my laws." And so Isaac lived in Gerar. And then down to verse 12. Now Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. And the man became rich and continued to grow richer until he became very wealthy. For he had possessions of flocks and herds and a great household. So that the Philistines envied him. Now all the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines stopped up by filling them with earth. And Abimelech said to Isaac, Go away from us, for you are too powerful for us. And Isaac departed from there and camped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. And then Isaac dug again the wells of water which had been dug in the days of his father Abraham. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham, and he gave them the same names which his father had given them. It's interesting that the, word, the Hebrew word that's often used to speak of the way that the prophets hear and then proclaim the word of God relates to this picture of wells flowing with springs of water. And the Hebrew words, one of the Hebrew words that's used of to speak, to, to prophesy, is this word naba, which means to bubble up, to spring forth from deep uh, within. And it relates to the activity of the Holy Spirit flowing from our innermost being as a river of life. It's a word that's used an amazing 435 times in the context of the prophets hearing the voice of God. Amos 3, verse 8, it says, The Sovereign Lord has spoken. Who can but nabar? Who can but prophesy? And in Joel 2, 28, that amazing prophecy, which is fulfilled at Pentecost in the book of Acts, it says, Your sons and your daughters will nabar. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. And so the story of Isaac in Gerar gives us a picture of how Satan, in a sense, is jealous of those who enjoy fellowship with God and his blessing on their lives and of how he will do all that he can to block the flow of the life of God. And so that kind of makes me think, well, what are the things? In the the passage of the unblocking of the wells, Sorry, slightly lost my way here. In the passage, the unblocking of the wells leads to the flow of the blessing from God being restored and the promises God made coming into fulfilment and the parched land itself being refreshed, renewed and restored. There's a direct connection between all this and our desire to be involved in restoring the city, I think, and in seeing the renewing of the land, this nation. And so it raises the question in my mind, what are the stones that the enemy can use to block our wells and to stop them from flowing? And um, in a sense, really, I see these, these stones that are used to block up the wells as I've labelled them hindrances to hearing from God. And uh, I'm just going to label some of those stones that block up our wells that the enemy uses to stop the flow of the blessing of God, his voice being spoken to us. I really believe that one or more of the following are likely to strike you particularly. And if you identify with any of them, there'll be an opportunity during the ministry time for you just to bring them to God and to ask him to deal with them. And remember what we were singing earlier on, he is more than enough. He's more than enough. The first stone that can block our wells is, quite simply, lack of expectation. A lack of expectation resulting from not understanding that God wants to communicate with us in the first place. People sometimes don't think God would want to speak to them in a personal way and believe that the only way God speaks to us is literally through the Bible. Now, while the primary way God speaks general truth to us is through Scripture, And that is vitally important, as I will say something more about that later. It's also true that there are often times when he speaks to us in a more personal way concerning the specific circumstances and direction of our lives. So that's the first one, lack of expectation. The next stone is called low self-image. Low self-image, which can be a result of a lack of encouragement and affirmation in our lives, which leaves us vulnerable to the lies of the enemy. Another stone is fear. Fear that God may say something to you that you may not want to hear. And yet, as I found out earlier today, a word from God always affirms us, affirms our identity and restores hope, faith, and trust. And his words always enable us to live in freedom from fear and positions us to be a blessing to other people. Or it might be fear that you may just be imagining it. That's a big one. You know, so that when God does actually speak, you automatically discount it as being him. I think probably that is one of the biggest issues for for a lot of us that we need to, to deal with. Shame is another one. It was shame that caused Adam and Eve to hide from God when he came looking for them in the garden. Indifference is another stone. Believe it or not, though, I think it's not so much sin itself that is a problem because the Bible says, quite simply, if we sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's 1 John 1 verse 9. The real problem, I think, is indifference or a hardened or unresponsive heart which can hold us back from confession and repentance for sin and of then being restored into the place of blessing. Related to indifference is another stone which I've labelled apathy, simply not being bothered to engage with God, to read the word or to spend time seeking him. Now, that can be something that we can have kind of phases of in our life. And uh, it's good to recognise when that has become an issue and to seek to deal with it. Lack of forgiveness. Unforgiveness towards others can have the same effect. Being offended by the words or actions of others can create a blockage. Now I'm part of the Sozo team here, the Bethel Sozo team. And one of the questions that we often use when we're spending time with people, helping them to engage with God and to hear his voice, is we lead people in this uh, prayer, which is in the form of a question. And the question is quite simply, Father God, is there anyone I need to forgive? And that can very often lead into a, a dealing with an issue which has become a blockage in somebody's life from actually hearing what God wants to say to them. By the way, uh, if you would like to sign up for a, a Beth or Soza with The team here, with the CV team, you can do so via the following email link. I think that's about to appear behind me, hopefully. Okay, Sozo at sozo.cardiffvineyard.org, quite easy to remember. Another stone, offense against God. Being offended with God can result in us becoming unresponsive towards him and our hearing being dull. Why did God allow that to happen? Why hasn't God answered my prayer in the way that I expected that he should? That can bring us into a place of having our ears blocked, as it were, from hearing. Self-reliance. Now, here's a, here's a significant one. Relying solely on our natural abilities instead of depending on God and remaining close to him. And the result can be busyness, activism, reliance on routine, superficiality, going through the motions, and ultimately exhaustion. I know about that because I've been there myself in a big way. I won't go into too many details at that point, <laughs> at this point, because I haven't got time. But that would be, my, that would be one of my uh, big areas of weakness. And what about this one, the last one? Noise. Noise. Don't we live in a society that seems to be getting more and more filled with it? Everywhere you go, people are kind of, you know, I was walking quietly down the street. I went up to the co-op to buy some bread or something the other day. And in walking down the street, I passed two, two or three people. And all of them seemed to be walking along, talking to themselves out loud. I thought, Blink and Henry, has everybody gone crackers around here or something? And then I suddenly realised I had an earpiece in and they were actually on the phone. You know, so no matter what people are doing now, kind of the phone is out, and it's kind of you know or there's music on it, or you know wherever you go uh, to chill out nowadays, if you go for a nice quiet drink somewhere, there's piped music coming through, and it seems that nobody now can live without there being a background of noise of some sort or another and uh you know how how i think that I think that is one of the things the enemy uses to shut us out from silence when it's actually or uh, very often it's Where do we hear the still, small voice of God that Ian was talking about yesterday? It's when we're in that place of silence and stillness before him. Yeah? Well, there's a list. There are probably other stones as well. You can probably think of one or two. It may even be that God is kind of suggesting some to you now yourselves. But what I want to major on in the rest of the time that I've got here, not which isn't very much, (laughs) is... um, is how do we deal with, how do we cultivate our heart relationship with God in such a way that actually we deal with these stones? James 4 eight says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Now, as Ian was leading us in the ministry time last week, I had an extraordinary moment and I really did feel God speaking to me. But it was in the most strange way. I thought I discounted it as being God initially. But then as I thought about it, I thought, actually, that is God. That is you. You know the song, Draw Me Close to You, Never Let Me Go. How many of you know that? Just come give me a way, Yeah, quite a few of you. Draw Me Close to You, Never Let Me Go. It's a song that we sing to God, asking God to draw us close to him. And I heard these words being sung draw me close to you, never let me go. And I realised that actually it was the voice of the Lord speaking those words to me. David, draw me close to you, never let me go. And I tell you, it, it did something for me. It broke me. I mean, it was just that first part of that song that was sung to me, as it were, in my head over and over again. Mercifully, God comes and sometimes provokes us into wanting to do that, so that he can come and to be, and be continually near us again. Some years ago, quite a number of years ago now, this was a, a fairly startling experience. This was in a phase in my life. I was actually pastoring a church at this time. I was very busy, and I was really focused on kind of doing the job to the best of my ability, and and so on. But actually, in the process of being like that, I'd lost that. Intimate engagement with God. And, you know, in a sense, I was, I was kind of going through the motions. And even that applied to my reading the Bible and my prayer times. I wasn't really engaging with him as I was praying. I was just going through a list of things that I needed to see sorted. I wasn't intimately involved with him. And I was walking along the beach at home, um, one day, trying to pray, you know, trying to, trying to think, what, what was on my list, what do I need to bring to God today? And then as I was walking along, um, on the, right on the edge of the shoreline, a fish suddenly leapt out of the water and landed on the sand in front of my feet and started flapping around. And immediately, like, you know, splits, not even time for me to kind of uh, react in my head to what had just happened. I heard in, in, inside me, inside me, this voice saying, "David, that's just like you. Without me, you're like a fish out of water." I thought, actually, the more I think about it, the more actually, God's got a really good sense of humour, hasn't he? Really, those of you who know what my name is will realise the connection. Yeah, but but I tell you what. It was a very, when God does rebuke us, it is very gently and lovingly. He doesn't come with a big stick to beat us up, but he just confronts us with a reality in such a way that our heart is melted. And I realised, I, 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 you know, I, I made some changes that day. I, I, did, I did some talking and some listening to God that actually made me change a few things. The Bible says, you'll seek me and find me when you seek for me with all your heart. And continually hearing the voice of God depends on our heart being towards him. We need to guard our hearts. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Watch over your heart with all diligence, for from it flow the springs of life. And in Psalm 51.10, it says this, Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. I'm just going to suggest that we actually say that out loud, all of us together, yeah? Okay, it's up there behind me, I hope, is it? Let's just say that. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. So what can I do to lift the stones and get the water flowing? And just very quickly, there are three things I want to suggest. And you'll see as I go through these three things, there's a kind of a Trinitarian dimension to this. Um, But also I think there is a kind of a dimension of time with it, that one is long-term, one is medium-term, and one is short-term. And I'm going to start with the long-term. And the long-term thing that I think I want to encourage all of us to do, particularly those of you who are younger in, in the faith, really, and that is to build a foundation of familiarity with the Bible into your life, especially the New Testament. The more you do that, the more that you give the Holy Spirit truth that he can remind you of. Uh, And bring to your attention. And that is one of the key ways that God speaks. And I'm not going to unpack that because I'm sure that will come up next week. Okay. Let your engagement with the Bible lead you to consider Jesus. Hebrews 12, 3 says, consider him. Become captivated by him. And the more familiar you become with the kinds of things he says then the more you will be in that place of being able to recognize his voice. The second thing is this, guard regular times for being quiet when you can focus your attention completely on God and do whatever it takes to be there. Psalm 46.10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. We need to live with frequent times of silence when we still our minds and are deliberately open to the presence of God. And I know that can be challenging depending upon the season of life that we're in. And, uh, and there are sometimes seasons where it's difficult to do that. Although I'll rem- I was reminded of the story of Susanna Wesley, the mother of John and Charles, the great Methodist preachers of the 18th century. Now Susanna Wesley had 19 children so those of you with little children, you know, count yourself lucky your name isn't Susanna Wesley. She used to kind of guard her times with God by taking her apron, sitting in her kitchen and pulling her apron over her head, which was a signal to the children to keep out of mother's way because she's having some time with God. Find a way, do whatever you can. Husbands, maybe you need to help your wives find space to be able to do that, yeah? Okay, uh, this, that then brings us to prayer that is centred entirely on the presence of God around us, with us, and within us. And in the context of that prayer, there are three things that it's good to say. As in any intimate relationship, perhaps particularly in the context of a marriage, there are three things it's good to say, and there are three things that it's good frequently to say to God. One of them is thank you, Another is I love you, and the other one is I'm sorry. And then finally, regularly and consistently inviting the Holy Spirit to fill you up. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Spirit. And that means to be continually being filled with the Spirit. When I have a spell of deafness, I have to begin a process of unblocking my ears by regularly soaking in olive oil. And uh, we also need to regularly invite the Holy Spirit to rest on us by regular invitations to him to presence himself in our lives. I'm gonna finish with a quote. And the quote is from Brother Lawrence, a 17th century French monk who worked in the kitchens of a monastery and wrote a series of letters which were published after his death in the form of a book called Practicing the Presence of God. It's a classic, which is still very worth reading even today. And it's about how he developed and maintained a sense of fellowship and continual communication with God throughout a busy, mundane, working life. And in a modern kind of translation of it, here are just a couple of paragraphs from that book. He says... It is my conviction that the practice of the presence of God is the center of the spiritual life. Whoever truly practices it will soon become spiritual. But to truly practice it, the heart must empty out everything else so God alone may possess the heart and do whatever he wants with us. There is nothing in all the world that we can find in life more pleasant and joyful than a continual conversation with God. So think of God all the time. During the day, at night, in your daily work, even in your leisure time activities, he's always nearby. Don't ignore him. If you had a friend nearby, you would not ignore him when he came to visit. Why then would you neglect God? In short, do not forget him. Think of him often, adore him continually, live and die with him. As a Christian, this is our job and calling. This is what we are here for, and it is glorious. Let's stand.